Hello there, and welcome to the Popcorn Tales podcast. I'm back, Shahiri's back, and our old friend John Selk is back. Uh, having previewed Indian Wells, um, we're now going to look back on what turned out to be a quite interesting tournament, as well as talk about what it could mean for Miami, which is underway as uh, at time of recording. Um, and we will start with the women's draw, I think, because I think it's safe to say, Shrihiri, that everyone's pretty hyped for the state of the WTA tennis right now, because we now have a clear, we now have a clear group that's out in front, and they keep producing some really interesting finals, or at least two players do, Sabalenka and Rabakina. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree there, uh, especially for someone like me who has been out of touch with the WTA for quite some time now because my favorite player, Muguruza, has gone, gone off the rails for quite some time. Uh, safe to say for the last, more than the last three years. Um, so yeah, it's definitely exciting times, you know, the, as far as WTA is concerned because like you mentioned, we do have... Um, it's been a while since we had a set of players who are not only reliable to go deep uh, consistently in the big big events, but also, uh, you know, you have like a sort of like a quartet of players who can give us some epic matches and really, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, good clashes in general. Um, you know, it may not be an epic three-setter all the time, but they do produce great tennis, like you said. Um so yeah, I, I'm definitely excited. Uh, for women's tennis, have gotten more uh, into women's tennis, uh, especially this season. Um, you know, because we had a great Australian Open as far as the women's singles was concerned. I uh, personally watched the Dubai Open for two consecutive days. I really enjoyed the tennis. Uh, so yes, you know, uh, the uh, the the scene right now is really exciting. And as far as the women's draw goes, I mean, play is underway um, in Miami. Uh, that being said, the draw is largely similar to what it was in Indian Wells. We have a lot of um, this exact same or very similar potential matchups, either in the exact same round or in earlier rounds. Like, for example, we have uh, Shriyantek and Rybakina uh, potentially meeting in the fourth round while they met in the semifinals of Indian Wells. Indian Wells, you had Sabalenka and Krejcikova playing in the fourth round of Indian Wells. They could play in the fourth round here as well. And Rabakina's quarter has the exact same seeded players. I think it's her, Bardosa, Kasatkina. It's probably someone else. Uh, maybe Nick or John, you could probably uh, remind me of who that is. But the three three players were exactly in the same quarter. Four players, four seeds were exactly in the same quarter as they were uh, in Indian Wells. So that being said, I yeah. mean, I'm not really complaining because if these players do meet again, we know that you know there's some uh, popcorn worthy matches uh, on the cards, and yeah, that's uh, about all I have to say as far as from a very skeletal perspective of the draw. You know, again, upsets are always on the horizon. You never know who's going to go out when. But I also have to mention that it seems like Iga Shiontek finally does have competition. Last year, she was just sweeping all of these tournaments with nobody. Uh, you know, really being a match to her uh, for most part, especially in that insane 37 match winning streak that she had. Uh, that could probably set in during the clay season because she's still 
of uh, far and beyond the best player on clay from the field, uh, you know, currently. But then talking about Miami alone, just uh, because of how dense the field is, it's very exciting. Yeah, I mean, on Sviantec, what I will say is um, I think that of her defeats this year, and she's had four, they've all been to top 10 players who were having really good days. Um, obviously, Rabakina was responsible for two of those defeats. Um, so there's possibly a little bit of a... We're starting to... You're right when the rivals, we're starting to see some matchup issues that she may be having with Rabakina, with Sabalenka and with uh, Krajikova. Um, what I will say is three of those four defeats can be explained partially also by her being a little out of sorts. Um, so the United Cup loss to Pagula, she literally had less than a few uh, 24 hours to acclimatize to court conditions that Pagula was very familiar with um, and was probably tired from the journey. Um, she had a cold against Barbara Kuchikova and she seems to have some kind of rib injury um, against Rebecca at Indian Wells. Do I think that she would have still won those matches had she been fully fit? I think they would have been a lot closer uh, because, as I said, her opponents all played really well. But what I would say is, is that um, I still think that uh, if Sviantec is having a good day, I don't think it's I still don't think it's possible to beat her unless someone else is having and uh, someone else is having an amazing day uh, on that point. But. Obviously, that semi-final loss for Sviantec, um was uh, unfortunate, but it did. It was part of a crucial of Lena Rubakina's path to the title, beating not only Sviantec, but then Sabalenka in the in the final, which uh, I was commentating on for talking tennis. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed doing that and really getting into the final while doing it. Uh, John, you were also watching that final behind the scenes. Uh, what did, I don't actually think I got your thoughts on that match. What did you make of it? I mean, I think it was nip and tuck. I think it was six points uh, all together between the two players at the end of the match and that tie break could have gone either way. I think that was a, a psychological blow that Arena never really recovered from. She soon went a breakdown. In fact, she went a double breakdown and she did well to make that second set competitive. Um, but I, I think with obviously with these two tournaments, whether you're on the men's or the women's side, uh, you know, I think it's quite interesting because it's not quite Roland Garros, uh, uh, Wimbledon extremes, but it is a challenge to adapt from the very slow and stodgy, as a certain uh, uh, men's finalist reminded us on a few occasions uh, in Indian Wells. And then, of course, compared to Miami, which is much quicker. So, and I, I think it's really interesting as, as well, some of the repetitions we may well see. We may well see a Krajcika for Sabalenka fourth round again, which I think is a really tough call. I think Pagula's draw is quite kind. And I also think the conditions may suit her in Indian Wells a lot better than, sorry, in, in Miami a lot better than Indian Wells. So yeah, lots of contrasts and lots of perhaps repetitions as well. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to Miami. Yeah, for sure. And I will say, you know, obviously you mentioned Pagula. Um, she didn't have a great Indian Wells, but um, she has traditionally been very comfortable in Miami. I think she was either, I think she was a semi-finalist last year, lost to Sviantec. It was either semis or quarters. Um, and I would have her as kind of, I, I'm daring to say that she's she's also in the mix with the big four that we mentioned of 
Rybakina, Sabalenka, Spiontek and Krajikova. Um, I would add Pagula into that mix just because she's come to one of Miami. She's had consistent results um, uh, and she's got that kind draw. So I, I would be very willing to put her in the mix potentially for um, a good run in in Miami. Um, let's let's take a look a bit more about um, Elena Rybakina, um, who I think... Uh, Definitely should be very proud of what she achieved at Indian Wells. She's clearly very comfortable on those courts. She was quarter-finalist last year. Uh, I mean, Shrihiri, what did you make of Elena Rabakina's performance um, in the final and through the tournament as a whole, from what you saw? Uh, unfortunately, I didn't watch either of the finals, men's or women's. It was just too late oh, in the night for me. But uh, that being said, I did catch some of the highlights of you know her matches against Shriantek, against Sabalenka. And I mean, especially especially against Shriantek, I think um, you know her forehand. I, I I remember seeing like three or four multiple uh, forehand winners cross COVID like Shriantek. I mean, only later we know that she had a she was you know sort of struggling with a you know, rib condition or rib injury. Hopefully she's fine. Mm-hmm. It seems like she's good to go because you know she's in Miami. She's set to play the tournament. That being said, you know her. I I was pretty surprised. Maybe it's just because I was not really aware of the fact that she did make the quarterfinal last year. Uh, but then, having said that, she did win Wimbledon. Um, so I just assumed that you know she's probably her game probably translates better to the faster courts. And also having made the final at the Australian Open, which you know where the courts are really quick, um, I was pleasantly surprised to see how well her game translated to those dead courts in Indian Wells. And uh, I'm definitely impressed. There's one thing that sort of bothered me about the seeds um, in both the men's and women's here in Miami is that the men's seeding is based on the latest rankings while the women's seedings are not. Uh, that being said, I don't think Rubakina really, um, would it matter for her? Maybe not. I mean, it, it really depends if Depends on whether or not she loses early. And by early, I mean, you know, if she does lose to Iga in the fourth round, then maybe we can say, yeah, it's kind of unfair that, um, you know, she was uh, snubbed of a top eight seeding, which is her current ranking is number seven. That's her career high, which is crazy to think of considering, uh, you know, the fact that she's a grandstand champion. She's a finalist in another slam. She's also won a WTA thousand just a few days ago. Um but yeah, I I am definitely looking forward to what she can do here. Um, she does seem like the player who can, uh, you know, back up her results and do well week in week out, and you know that is something that really excites me because you do have, like I mentioned at the beginning of this um, episode, that you do have a handful of players now who can produce that kind of results. And you know that being said, I still do have um, I, I I don't have a prediction for who is going to win Miami yet. I don't know if I will even by the end of this episode, but I do have her, you know, doing three-peat against Shiontek as things stand. I I think it's likely that that's going to happen. Uh, I agree with you. Rebecca in this game does prefer faster courts um, just because, uh, well, we saw it in the final against Sabalenka. She's a, uh, a big server, big hitter, and it's all about that first strike tennis. Uh, what I will... So I would say she's going to be the favourite, especially on these faster Miami courts. 
She doesn't dislike slow courts because she has beaten Serena Williams at Roland Garros and she did get to the semi-finals of um, uh, uh, the Olympics on what was a very slow hard court and was only very narrowly lost out on a medal, um, to be honest. Um, she lost in three sets to Bencic in the semis and three sets to Svitolina in the bronze medal match. Um, so, and only by a break in the decider as well. So, um I think that she, I think we need to stop thinking she's a fast court player solely. She is good on those, uh, those slow courts too. Um, and, but going up to the final, I think it was, it was an interesting one because that first strike test was often what helped her, I think, and her mentality. She stayed stronger in what was a frankly bizarre first set tie break. Um, in which so many set points on serve were wasted by both players. Um, but then she took the momentum and she kind of ran with it. Um, Sabalenka kind of folded early on in the second set, and that's what ended up being decisive. Um, in terms of predictions, uh, I think it's highly likely, or the most likely outcome is, we're going to get another Rybakina versus Sabalenka final in Miami um, and uh, that will be very interesting to see how that rematch goes. Um, I might favour Sabalenka for that one um, just because that's sort of to and froing of the rivalry, but that's a little bit of a sort of a, um, I'm not going to say it's massively scientific and it's not based on anything other than sort of gut feeling. Uh, if we do get that final, it'll be highly anticipated and absolutely fascinating and um, to have, Th three of the four big tournament finals of the WTA year so far being sort of the same two players, um, I think could set, could suggest an narrative for the rest of the year or what I will say, although I will say that uh, as you alluded to earlier, Shrihiri, uh, the, the clay season's likely to change that with Shviontek being so strong on that surface. Yeah, and um, I'm not sure when it has ever happened or when it was the last time this happened where we had the same finalists in the at the AO and the Sunshine Double. I don't want to say first three big tournaments because on the WTA Tour, of course, you have a big tournament in the Middle East, either Dubai or Doha, mm -hmm. before the Sunshine Double begins. Um, I cannot even think of that scenario when that's happened before in the men's. I can think of 2015 where we had Novak and Andy in the Australian Open finals, semis of Indian Wells and final in Miami. But other than that, just my memory beats me. I don't know when they've had Similar such with um, Federer and the Dahl in 2017, I would say. Right. It's never happened. How could I forget it's, that? <laughs> how how it's in the never world? Happened. Yeah. Well, yeah, Federer and Dahl in 2017. As a Novak fan, very forgettable <laughs> season. But um, yeah. either way, yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, this could be the rivalry of the year. And... That being said, um, who knows, right? Eagle will probably get these uh, ladies back um, uh, as far as revenge is concerned on her preferred surface, is clay. Um, again, like, like you mentioned, um, Rubakina has never... Uh, it's, it's, it doesn't seem like she has disliked slow courts. She still does really well. I do agree with you. Uh, I, and yes, I do remember her beating Serena Williams at RG in 2021 when... It was a huge chance for Serena to lift the title with um, Iga. We knew that she was struggling with an injury. I think um, she did lose to Sakari in the quarters. 
but then Rybakina just you know stole the show and played an amazing match. I I do recall her beating Serena in straight sets. Um, so yeah, she's had really good results on the slower courts as well. Miami, of course, is a I, I would say pretty significantly quicker. At least it was the last couple of years uh, than Indian Wells or or you know the court here at the the courts here at the Hard Rock Stadium at least are quick, uh, noticeably quicker than say uh, the courts at Crandon Park uh, compared to Indian Wells. So um, mm-hmm. if anything, it only helps her more. Um, yeah, and that rematch will be fascinating. And yeah, I don't think. Um, it, it would be mighty impressive if Rybakina, you know, does the Sunshine Double, especially beating uh, the same, uh, you know, the two 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 best players in the world to do it again. That would be just amazing. Yeah, I I definitely don't think it's happened in the women's where the same two players have contested um, the finals of Australia and then the two Sunshine Double events. Um, it has happened in the men's though, very long time ago, 1995, Sampras and Agassi. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Um, and they ended up writing the narrative of that season, apart from again on clay. Um, that was, a, I, again, I'm talking like I, this, the tennis historian coming out in me. Um, that was a season very much dominated by Sampras and Agassi, apart from clay, which is dominated by Thomas Muster. Um, so blast from the past for those who... Uh, Either avid tennis historians or are old enough to remember. Um, yeah, well, one person in on this Zoom meeting was not born then. So, oh, I, I why, was... why, Shrihari? Why do you do this to our guest? Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, the, that was a um, nice trivia, anyway. But um, predictions time, maybe, or do we talk a bit just, more? Just yeah, quick, just quick. Just quickly on the two finals, I think uh, Indian Wells, I think, and I, I didn't completely fully address Nick's question about the, the women's final, but I do think the defeat for Sabalenka is very different uh, in terms of long-term consequences, if you like, than the one for Medvedev. I do think the Medvedev defeat was more bruising, and I know we're here to talk at the moment about the women's, but Sabalenka's was touch and go she could have won that first set a couple of double faults here a couple of set points there uh she wins that first set we probably get a, a three set thriller like we had in melbourne and maybe the same result um and i think you could see afterwards you know we've seen sabalenka take defeats really hard but with that win in australia it's like a huge burden off her shoulders that now she can maybe win a final sorry lose a final like that and it's okay it's okay, especially as Miami's coming in. By the way, just quickly on the predictions side, uh, Shrihui probably doesn't really matter if he makes predictions here or not, because anyway, he'll change them in a couple of couple of days again, like he did for them. I think it was the men's which he changed last time. Is that right, yeah, Shrihui? Yeah, I did. Uh, I mean, the, the, to be fair, I mean, we can all, we can all, I guess we the can all wait to players were predicted we can all wait to... to win ended up being the finals. So uh, take take whatever <laughs> you will from that. But yeah, yeah, I, I guess. Uh, I'll try not to change it this time. <laughs> what what you do, Trihu, is you wait to see Gil Gross' podcast and then you uh, then you switch then you switch. <laughs> oh no, I mean Gil. Well, to be fair, Gil Gil had Fokina beating Medvedev. Um, I know. I, he I, did, I, I had Achanov yeah. beating Fokina. I think so. Yeah, I, I I have a lot more hope in Medvedev than Gil will probably ever have. So. I, I, I think I think you had you had Alcaraz with us, and then you switched to Medvedev, right? Yeah, I did because I suddenly thought 
oh, look, you know, I think Sinner would beat Alcaraz. But either way, it, it did not pan out that way. I mean, we can definitely talk about that match too. I have a lot to mention about Alcaraz versus Sinner. Um, and of course, we have to address the massive elephant in the room. That's the men's final because what in the world was that, right? We were expecting some, uh, you know, blockbuster potential match of the season so far. And then we get an absolute drubbing. Yeah. So, you know, that being said, I guess but, we could probably mention a few more things about this women's draw. Um, I do want to mention something yeah. about Pigula, which Nick mentioned earlier. Um, in as far as grouping her with, you know, the, say the current, you know, top four um, of the WTA uh, is concerned, I, I, I still squirm to do that because um, it, she's, she's just a hit or miss for me because... Uh, I've not really been convinced that she can, on a consistent basis, beat the best of the players. Um, there was a huge caveat on her uh, win against Shriantek at the United Cup, like Nick mentioned, uh, with regards to Shriantek, you know, traveling uh, to a different city and also having less than 24 hours to even, like, get uh, uh, get herself to prepare on the, on a different kind of court. Um, and of course, you know she did thrash her in the Doha final. Um, so I, 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 I personally don't like that matchup too much. Um, and yeah, maybe who knows? Like Pegula, she has a kind draw relatively. Uh, and if there are some big scalps, um, uh, you know, taken out in the top half, the top section of the top half, she could very much, uh, you know, have another big run here. But that being said, I just think that. She's one of those players who maybe is uh, a front runner once, uh, you know, say the big, let's say the big four are out of the picture. Yeah, but Shrihri, I, I completely agree with actually what you said, but a little bit with what Nick says, I, and, but it's partly because of the draw. And I think with the women right now, um, the draw seems to be, there's two or three key questions at the beginning of every draw. Where's Klaichikova? Where's she falling? Because she's like seeded 16 at the moment and it's just an insane seeding. So who's going to get her, for example, in the fourth round? And hey, presto, it's Sabalenka potentially again. The other mm-hmm. thing is, is where's, where's Rebecca falling? Because she's obviously outside the top two at the moment, not outside the top three. So where's she falling? And whose half is she going in? Is she going in Iga's half or is she going in Sabalenka's half? And to give the draw some balance, actually, in a way, it's good that she falls in Iga's half in that Iga doesn't get Krajcikova, for example, in the fourth round, unlike Sabalenka. But once, once you can get through Krajcikova, as we saw in uh, in uh, Indian Wells. And to some extent, I remember uh, Sabalenka getting Benchich at a similar stage in Australia. And it's like, once you get over that hurdle, then you're probably going to make the final. And I and I do, a bit like Nick, say, see a, a, the same final again. I'm probably less sympathetic towards Eager than Sviontek, than, than, Sviontek, <laughs> than, than Nick at the moment. I, I do think... Could be her defeats... dad. Never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. I, I do think the defeats have been telling they've been in straight sets at the expense of four games in Indian Wells and eight games in uh, Australia, but also a straight sets defeat to Kolechikova and also a defeat to just four games, albeit conditions that um, aided to Pagula. So then the other thing about the draw, by the way, um, is the quarterfinals. Who are you, who, who are you getting in the quarters? Are you, a, if you're in that bracket of Goff, and Pagula and uh, Stackery, et cetera, you know, where, where he is seated, sort of five, six, seven, eight. If you're, who are you, who are you getting in your quarterfinal? Are you avoiding 
eager? Are you avoiding Babakana? And are you avoiding potentially Sabalenka as well? And that's where that's where exactly where Jessica Pagula lies. I've got her playing Coco Goff in, this, in the quarterfinals. Hence, I probably have Je- uh, Pagula going a bit further than I normally would do in this tournament. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Um, have uh, Pagula and Goff played before? They, I know they're they've played a few times. They've played a few times. Pagula has a slight edge in the rivalry. Okay. Yeah, I Coco Goff's another player at, at the moment. I'm, I'm just, you know, not putting any stake on really. Um unless she shows something ma- magical, something we've never seen before. Uh, what she's done so far is impressive for sure. We we do need to acknowledge the fact that she's still a teenager. She's been around for a while for someone who's this young. But, you know, being realistic, I just, you know, I think we need to give her you know, a lot more time. Um, yeah, I agree. Right. So, um, I guess we can get into the predictions. Um, yeah. Okay. For my first prediction, before we predict who the winner is going to be, I think there's a, a possibly harder prediction to do, which seems mm-hmm. to have dominated some of the discussion in the in the popcorn tennis uh uh, community at the minute um who is winning the opening round between uh, bianca andrescu and emma raducanu because that one yeah, could go either way so 50 bang 50 50 i you know i'm, I'm gonna go with raducanu yeah i found it a bit easier that i remember coming across this in my in my bracket uh last night when i was doing this and i just thought um you know what? I, I I think it's quite an easy Raducanu prediction. I could be wrong. I could easily be wrong, but uh, I didn't hesitate. It was like, oh, this is a this is a mouthwatering popcorn clash, if you like. And then it was like, but Raducanu is winning this, I think, given the way the two players played in Indian Wells, and and given even even I know Eager went out. Sorry, I know um, Emma went out early in 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 Australia, but. I still think there were some signs. And also pre-Australia, I think she had a, uh, some good sort of warm-up tournament. So for me, it's, it's a pity because I love Bianca, but we haven't really seen much, really. We haven't seen too many sparks from her over the last year or so. And so I agree in, in many respects, it's, it's 50-50, two former US Open champions, you know, two blockbuster tennis kind of lights-out kind of players. But I guess right two now, Romanian descents as well. Yeah, two Romanian. I thought I thought about that today. Yeah, two Romanian descendants mm-hmm. too. Yeah, I mean we all yeah, we I do all know about the John, because uh, I mean look at Raducanu's losses. She played a really good match against Goff. I, I think she had a set few set points in the second set in that Australian Open match. Uh, I yeah. mean I, she wouldn't have too many regrets about that match overall, considering where she was coming from. I think she also had some physical issues that she was struggling with before the tournament. Uh, so and same same case with Indian Wells, you know, she had that um, time off before coming to the tournament. Um, she had a pretty decent run to the third round. I, nobody's really expecting her to do much. I, I mean, considering uh, where she is right now uh, against Iga Shiontek. So I think she does. I mean, she for most of the these matches that you would expect her to win, she stepped up. Uh, so that's why I'm pretty confident that you know, she can win this. Um, I cannot in picture how that matchup would go, really. Um, both players are, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but they do love to you know, stay in the baseline and are pretty powerful baseliners, offensive baseliners. Um, 
So maybe if both of them are playing really well, it could be, um, you know, sight for sore eyes, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I have Raducanu winning that. But yeah, the, Raducanu versus Sakari would be really interesting. I mean, the rematch of their the US Open semifinal, right? From 2021. So mm. maybe Sakari is in a better position at the moment to win. But yeah, that, that would be another mouth-watering clash. Absolutely. And, and that's, sorry, Nick, but Sakari took that defeat really badly in, in New York. And, and to be honest with you, has barely recovered since. Uh, I think that, that she, as the senior player, going into the press conference afterwards felt, you know, that was that I should be winning that match, you know. And she also had that bruising defeat in, in Roland Garros the same, you know, the same summer, so to speak. So, yeah, but I, I have to say, I'm not... I, I, listen, I got. I had Emma getting to the fourth round in Indian Wells, and I had her losing to Eager, and that's where she got to. And I've got a similar scenario in in Miami. And, and if that if that happens in terms of her getting to the third or fourth round, I think this would be progress for her, given where she was, say, six months ago. Indeed, I find it interesting that um, as the only one of us based in the UK. Um, I won't say the only Brit because obviously John's the other Brit, but uh, I've actually gone for Andrescu to win that match. Um, I think that Andrescu pushed Eager in uh, a, a little bit in that match. Um, they played in the third round of Indian Wells more than pretty much anyone who Eager beat did, um, more than Radicano did. Uh, and I would say that that her previous loss was to Rabakina and again was two tightish sets. Adreski is comfortable in Miami. Um, and I also know that Radicano tends to have a bit of a dip after a good result. So I'm going to go with Andrescu to win that one. I think then that sets up for what would be, if it's a Zachary Andrescu match, that's pretty mouthwatering because whatever those two play, it seems to be a blockbuster. Um, either the, uh, semi-final in Miami in 21 or um, the uh, fourth round they played at the US Open there were both long three set matches that were absolutely brutal and they were one apiece um, I do think Zachary would still be the favourite whoever she plays um, but yeah I'm going to be a little bit contrary and I'm going to say I think Andrescu but it, it was a very sort of it was kind of a uh, it, it, it was a close pick I think Emma will make it hard for her don't get me wrong but yeah um, I'm going to go a little bit different here. Yeah, I mean, you do make good points. Uh, you know, as we're speaking about the draw and about to make predictions before we move on to the men's, Iga Shiontek, you know, has got the same uh, second round opponent that she got in Indian Wells, Claire Lu, if I'm pronouncing that name correctly. Well, um, yeah. I don't know if she, you know, if she, well, she could, it's either going to be Claire Lu or Siniakova, unless yeah. that match has already happened. Yeah, no, Claire Lou won. So it's Fionn okay. against Claire Lou. Yeah. Um, I actually think that, um, you know, we were talking about potential Fionn Tech, uh, quarterfinal. I think she's got a potential banana skin in the fourth round against Yelena Ostapenko, who is a former Miami finalist and we know has the game um, to re-bother Iga Fionn Tech. Um, and judging where Iga is at the minute, um, if it is an Ostapenko fourth round, I could see I that. I think Ostapenko's 3-0 against Iga. Yep. 
Uh, and oh, wow. She did beat her in Dubai. The, the last player to beat Iga before her streak. Um, so, yeah, you do have okay. a point there. Um, I actually have Ostapenko losing to Hadid Meyer, but maybe given what you've just been saying, maybe I regret that. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was pretty um, close for me when I went to pick that. I was like, oh, which one? That's going to be a close one. I'm going for Ostapenko. I think she'd probably be more comfortable. But it was a bit of a, it was a tough choice, that one. Yeah, I mean, you don't know what Ostapenko is going to bring, especially that Sabalenka match uh, in Dubai. I just cannot explain that match. What happened after the first set? Um, anyway, uh, prediction it's time. to explain it, Ostapenko. Yeah, it's I'll, I'll let you and John go ahead like last time before me, before I eventually obviously change my mind. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm okay. Miami women's champion. I'm going to with, go with Arena Sabalenko. I think she's going to bounce back in a similar way to how she did after WTA finals. I agree with John. I think she took that defeat in Indian Wells pretty well. Um, and I think it'll be fun to have a sort of a, sort of a matchup that kind of swings one way and then the other between her and Rakina. So, yeah, um, I think she'll be pretty comfortable with Miami as well. So, for me, I think we'll see Arena Sabalenka win the Miami title. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, uh, Nick and I uh, don't agree on Raducanu, Bia, Andreescu, but we wholeheartedly agree on, on this. I have both of them getting to the final. I have Rybakina, therefore, beating uh, Sviontek in that clash, as, as Nick highlighted in the quarters, which, like I say, I, I, I don't take too much stock in some of Iga's travails, health travails, I know that they have been, they have impacted her for sure, but they've probably impacted a, a game or two uh, rather than the match itself. And that's why I think we're both suggesting Rebecca will beat Siontek in the quarters. But like Nick, I'm having Sabalenka lift the title, but it's, it could all blow up in, in flames in the, in the fourth round. That, that potential clash between her and Klaichikova may well decide the title, a bit like, to some extent, her, her win over Benchich, as I suggested in, in Australia. By the way, Benchich is somebody as well that we mustn't discount. And one final word I will say on is Sophia Kennan has a slightly kinder draw. And I'm really pleased for her because she's had some real brutal draws in, in the Australian Open, Azarenka first round. And then her first match, I think, or second round was it, um, in Indian Wells was against Rebakana. And and she pushed Rebecca and it was super close. I think with the first set or the, one of them was a tie break and it could have gone either way. So and we all know how Rebecca ended up. But listen, I'll reel it back. For me, Sabalenka's uh, winning the final. I do see her avenging that defeat uh, in Indian Wells. But also just quickly, they've got a head to head and it, it's 4-1 for a reason uh, to Sabalenka. And that final Indian Wells could have gone either way. And I don't think that, uh, you know, uh, she's going to have a problem with a faster pace courts. I believe Australia is much faster than than uh, Indian Wells. Indian Wells is sort of almost clay court-esque levels. So I, I really do think that Sabalenka will win the title. But Krajcikova could well be the, the, the fly in the ointment. Yeah, interesting you mentioned Krajcikova because she's the one I'm picking to win uh, the Miami Open. Oh. Uh, I you know I'm leaning more towards chaos, but uh, for me, it's like a sort of, what do you call it? There's a three-way revenge cycle here going on. Like Shuan Tech looking for revenge <laughs> on Rabakina, Krejcikova looking to get revenge on Sabalenka, Sabalenka looking to get revenge on Rabakina. So obviously, uh, only two of those matchups are going to happen. 
Um, but I think, uh, you know, I do agree with John that the Sabalenka Krejcikova match would, even though it'll be the fourth round, that that's the match that would decide who wins Miami, and I think it's Krejcikova. Yeah. Yeah. I, I by the way, if um, I, I think we've highlighted some uh, players, I'm actually going to share my semi-final predictions. I think the semi-finals are going to be Rabakina versus Pagula and Bencic versus Sabalenka, with Rabakina and Sabalenka playing in the final and Sabalenka winning it. Um, I think that's the same semi-finals as me. I think. <laughs> yeah. High five, John, if we were in the same room. Hey. Yeah, and then I do my bracket, so there's that. Um, <laughs> right. Anyway. Um, uh, but, yeah, for me, it's just, regardless, I, I think the semis are really hard for me to predict. But, you know, there's some matches that sort of tell me, uh, you know, there are these matches that happen way before the final that sort of give you an indicator as to, you know, which one of these few players is going to eventually you know, lift the title by the end of the fortnight. Uh, and that's the kind of scenario that I'm seeing here. So, yeah, that being said, let's go to the men's uh, draw and let's talk as little as possible about that Indian Wells final for my sake, please. But anyway, uh, right. I mean, there wasn't that much to say about it, right? I mean, you kind of summarised it pretty much earlier. It was a little bit of a, a letdown in terms of the hype. But, yep. I mean, look, if everyone's kind of high on Alcaraz now after that yeah. um, demolishing of Daniel Medvedev. It's, um, in hindsight, it's not really surprising to me. I should say that. Um, and I, I don't even have a problem saying that, you know, Alcaraz is barely 19, but I would say he's already a better player than Medvedev. Um, all things considered, achievements and also, you know, as a player, uh, as a whole, I would say he is. I have no issues um, sort of conceding that now, especially. Um, but yeah, I, I. That being said, I do hope uh, there's a rematch of that. I mean, you know, we we spoke a lot about rematches potentially, potential rematches on the women's side. We do have quite a few of them on the men's side. Uh, we have Sinner again in the top half. I don't know which round he is slated to meet Alcaraz and if he gets there. Um, Semis. Semis again. again. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, I think right, so. Yeah, yeah and I, I think Rude is the semifinalist for, um, I mean, the, the, the second highest seed in the top half. If you would, if if you would put it that way, um, Rude, yeah, that that's one of the upsets. Maybe we could talk about and what what awaits Rude now because he needs to get it together. He has a he has a ton of points to defend. Um, he's the fine. He was the finalist here last year, uh, semi finalist in Rome, finalist at RG. There's a lot of points ahead of him, especially when you have someone like Daniel Medvedev just one spot below you who has. Um, I don't know what, 360 points to defend from now all the way uh, to the RG. So I just wonder what's to become of Rude. He has potentially Ivashka in the second round. That is not going to be easy. Um, I That's definitely another upset alert as far as I'm concerned. Um, so yeah, I just, I mean, as someone who really likes Casper Rude, I hope um, he has a good tournament. Semis would be great, but um, unfortunately, I don't see that happening. And we did gloss over this in our previous episode that each time it looks like Casper Ruud uh, is in a tough spot, 
he has a big result at a big tournament. Um, it happened at the U.S. Open last year. It happened at RG. Turin as well. He was losing matches uh, everywhere indoors. And then he makes the final. So you just never know, right? Um, oh, I mean, we, we, I won't say this as much for Turin, but draws have definitely helped him in the other tournaments. Um, so, you know, that I guess that's that. But yeah, that I just hope he has a good tournament regardless of when he loses. Um, quarterfinals would be good, um, I would say. I don't know who he's slated to play in the fourth round. Um, is it Sinner? It should be Sinner, right? I think at some point now they're going to play each other. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's quarterfinal or, 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 or fourth round. But, but yeah, quarterfinals probably because of where Sinner might well be seated. Uh, no, right. I agree with you. I agree with you, Shrihui, by the way. I think... Um, Casper Rude, maybe he just needs to ignore the the points he's defending and where he ends up and just try and make himself in, in, in exactly where he needs to be for, for Roland Garros. I mean, I think that run actually did sort of, at that point, save his season because, you know, clay is probably his best surface and he hadn't been in a clay court final uh, throughout the clay court season. Uh, and actually that Roland Garros run it started with a first round match against um, Songa, uh, of all. I think it was Songa, wasn't it, in the first round? The, yeah, uh, that was Songa's uh, last match, yes. Yeah, exactly. I think Songa won the first set from memory and just ran out of steam. But a, 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 a much younger Songa probably wins that match, you know? And yeah. uh, <laughs> it might have been a, a tie break, I'm not sure, but it was certainly really close. And, and then just Songa, just his knees went. And, and yeah, I think Songa did a... struggle big time in that fourth set tiebreaker, and you know, he was already in tears. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, well, I think the draw really opened up for him, Casper, in Volongaos. I mean, you had one side of the draw with Zverev, Alcaraz, Nadal, and Djokovic, and the other side had Sitsipas and Rude, and Sitsipas goes out early. So, and I know. Holger Rune was there, but Holger Rune now is a much different plan. I'm really looking forward to seeing him in Miami. I think Miami might well suit him a little bit better than India. Him Wales and Rude, well. yeah, we so, need that rematch. We definitely do. It's been too long since oh, yeah. did. Um, I did. Oh, yeah. To, yeah. to, uh, to quote Holger Rune, yeah. <laughs> the problem is that Holger yeah, Rune... Nobody I think knows is, what went down there. But I know. <laughs> conflicting the, stories, but... Uh, yeah, either way, yeah, Holger Rune, I, I, uh, recency bias, I mean, that, this is where it gets you, right? I just, I was so high on Holger Rune after he won Bercy. Um, and also his AO run, right? He made it to the fourth run and very dodgy wrist. He almost beat Rublev. Should have won that match, yes. Uh, and then I was like, oh, maybe, you know, he might end up being a, um, when all everything's said and done so many years from now and I am a lot older than I am right now. Uh, he probably would be a better player than Alcaraz. I was too uh, too quick because you have Alcaraz at the moment uh, back at number one, just one Indian Worlds. And yeah, of course, Ogaruna has had defeats, but they're pretty close to good players on the day at least. So it's um, he also did struggle with his fitness as always, but that's definitely gotten better. And I just hope he has a good tournament. Um, I don't know what his draw exactly looks like, but um, he should. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, considering the players in his section of the draw, I don't know if there's anybody who really should should be beating him if he's playing well. Um, but at least early. So, 
yeah, I just hope he has a good tournament as well. Um, that's the top half. I mean, yeah, let's talk about Alcaraz. Who really is going to beat him in Miami? Or is he? Is anybody going to beat him in Miami? Algaruna. That's the um, that's the one. I think they're due to meet in the fourth round. Oh, okay. Then yeah, I mean, I don't. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have Runa. Right. I don't think Alcaraz is going to have it quite so easy in Miami as he did mm-hmm. in in Indian Wells. Uh, of course, in, in Indian Wells, he won with that drop in a set. I was actually quietly confident with my prediction of him winning that tournament. I thought the conditions would suit him. He'd obviously had a semi-final run last year and in a semi-final against Rafa that could have gone either way. I also Oh, Holger Rune, yeah, he's, um, he, he would play Alcaraz in the quarterfinals if he gets that. quarterfinal, right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, just thought, you know, I, just I thought, thought I got the draw all mixed up. But yeah, I think Taylor Fritz is his fourth round opening. I see him beating Fritz, yeah. So, uh, and here, this is what I mentioned about the seeds, right? Uh, Taylor Fritz is seeded ninth. Uh, but just by virtue of, uh, you know, the draw being made a day later than uh, the women's draw. Would have been fourth seeded otherwise. Um, which, I mean, I think that's a bit too high for Fritz. He's a, he's a really good player. But that being said, I think John would also agree with me. We we spoke a bit about Fritz in our last episode. You know, there have been matches that, the really bad losses that he's taken uh, at the big events. The US Open, Australian Open. Uh, he had a good tournament in Turin and won Tokyo as well. But other than that, and he lost, uh, he lost to Simon, didn't he, in Bercy. So yeah, he's just not been in good shape. And of course, there's that jarring loss to Nadal which probably shouldn't have happened very much like he shouldn't have lost to Djokovic at the Australian Open two years ago. So there's that. Um, I, you know, I, I have Holger Rune beating him uh, in the fourth round. Uh, yeah, I do agree that Alcaraz's draw does look pretty tricky. Um, you know, we, I, I do hope he gets, we get that Alcaraz's Rune quarterfinal. Um we did. We were pretty hyped for that Sinner match, but you know, after the first set, it sort of fizzled out. Just became an Alcaraz highlights reel in the second set. You know, he was just toying with Sinner at that point. There was that Al- crazy exchange, which Sinner really should not have lost, or like wouldn't have lost against ninety nine of the other players in the top hundred. Um, Alcaraz Murray as well, part three. We're going to have that, mm. I think. I think it's part three. I think they played each other twice before. It's one. Yeah, one. Indian so Wells in twenty twenty one. Oh yeah, Andy Murray uh, and Rafael Nadal. Third round. Last, uh, or I would say, the only players to beat Alcaraz in Indian Wells. Um, and yeah, and they played in Vienna too, which Alcaraz won pretty comprehensively. It was six three, six four, something like that. Yeah, Zverev and Rude in the fourth round. That's a good chance for Zverev. I think, you know, he can probably take out Rude there if you know both of them get there. I, I don't see anybody. Yeah, well, Zverev has kind of the same players. Rusevori and Bautista Good in the third round. Um, Daniel or Rindanesh, I don't see Zverev losing to either. I mean, yeah, let's talk about Zverev. Looks like he's probably back, back to or very close to his, um, you know, 2022 form, at least, uh, you know, the tennis he showed during the clay season. He played really well in Indian Wells, especially against Medvedev. It took a really aggressive version and a high level from Medvedev to, you know, put him away. 
uh, match to the tournament for sure. So he's, I mean, he, he'll take a lot of positives from that loss. And he has a pretty good draw here, as you know, from what I see. Yeah, I think Sverev, uh, I agree with you, is definitely uh, on a path back up the rankings. Obviously, he's currently ranked outside the top 10. I wouldn't be surprised if he's back in there um, by the US Open. Um, I think, yeah, he's definitely on an upward trajectory. And I think with this draw, it's a good opportunity for him to get a decent chunk of points. He is a former Miami finalist. Um, so he's he's not exactly um, out of sorts here. Uh, I I would be, I would agree with that. I think the only, uh, I think my only quibble with that is like, for me, match of the tournament was probably more Fritz versus Sinner, just because that one was a bit more high octane in terms of, um, aggressive tennis and um could really like and both matches could have gone either way uh but i kind of enjoyed um sort of the dynamic between those two that what they had in that quarterfinal a bit more um but for me in terms of miami in terms of i haven't looked at the draw yet um for me there's kind of there's uh about seven or eight no it'd be seven players because Novak Djokovic isn't playing. Otherwise, he would be one of the heavy favourites for it. Um, for me, there's about seven players who are probably in the mix. Again, I haven't looked at the draw. I don't know where they all fall. I think it's been enlightening hearing about this. I'm definitely up for the idea of an Alcaraz-Rune uh, quarterfinal. Um, for me, the top two favourites are Alcaraz and Medvedev. Um, I think they're on track to meet in the final again. I would put Sinner in the mix. Um, former Miami finalist. Good result there. Zverev. I'd put him in the mix um, as well. Um, and then I'd probably some dark horses kind of like, hey, you know, I could see them rising up and uh, surprising or at least getting pretty deep in the field. And that would be Felix Auger-Assim, Andre Rublev and former Miami champion Hubert Hercatch. Um, I think those three, I don't know where they are in the draw, mm-hmm. uh, would be uh, our people we should keep an eye on as potentially upsetting uh, the guys we're setting up as the potential favourites. I've got, I think um, as, a, as a sort of a dark horse, but his draw's not great. So it is a risky dark horse. But um, he's maybe born a Chorich. I just wonder if if we might just get a, not quite Cincinnati levels from him, but I just wonder if we might get a good run from him, you know, quarterfinals, for example, which that would qualify right now for a good run because since Cincinnati, he's not really done a, a great deal, unfortunately. Uh, so I think he's my my dark horse. He's the one that, when I was going through the bracket yesterday, he's the one that I sort of kept pushing a bit further. I, I kept having doubts, but I think I changed my mind a couple of times on him. But he's my my dark horse. I'm not sure if I can have her catch as a dark horse, bearing in mind he won the tournament two years ago. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, my dark horse would be Alexander Zverev. Um, I, I mentioned all of the reasons. Um, what if we get? Um, I don't know. Would they? Would Zverev and Alcaraz play in the semis or quarters? Uh, semis, right? That could happen, uh, and we cannot really look past that RG quarterfinal, which probably you know Zverev's uh, best performance at a Slam. I I don't think. Uh, there's any other match that I can think of against such a high quality opponent um, that or with such high stakes that he's won and in that fashion. Um, so yeah, that would be 
a match to watch out for. Who knows? Um, mm-hmm. Right. But yeah, I, I like Zverev's draw from what I've seen. And mm-hmm. he also has a pretty good record against Sinner. 3-1 against Sinner, 3-1 against Alcaraz. Um, and yeah, he's beaten both of them the last times he's played them. Um, so you, you just never know. So I, I guess as far as Dark Horse goes, he would be one of them for me. Um, Medvedev, one of the favorites, of course, um, even though he's the fourth seed. Uh, we should talk about Tsitsipas. Um, we, we are not sure exactly how his shoulder is holding up at the moment. Um, but if you look at his draw, I think it's probably all right until the quarters. Um, Felix has been a tough matchup historically for him. But again, Felix has just you know not really gotten it going this season so far for whatever reason. Had a pretty good run at Indian Wells. I you know losing to Alcra was pretty expected on that kind of uh, on, on those conditions. Even though he was three uh, zero against Alcra's going into that match, uh, having beaten Alcra's twice last year as well. But yeah, you know I just don't know what to expect from Sitsipas. Does he? Make the semis. Would we get a Medvedev Sitsipa semi final? Um, five years since the genesis of the rivalry at this very venue. Um, I should say this very city, different venue. But yeah, I don't. What are your thoughts on Sitsipas? I think if the draw is as soft as you say it is for him, uh, quarter final is his ceiling. Um, I have zero expectation for him. I don't necessarily think he's going to crash out first round like he did in Indian Wells. Um, or first match, I should say, because he's got a bye. Um, but uh, I'm not going to necessarily predict that. Again, I haven't seen the draw. I don't know who's playing. Um, but I would be hesitant to put him much further than that. I think even if the shoulder's better, he's going to be rusty. Um, and he's probably going to want to save himself a little bit for clay, which is where he tends to perform a bit higher. So um, I do not have high expectations for Stefanos to City pass this tournament. How about you, John? Yeah, I'm the same. I've got to get to the quarterfinals. Excuse me, I've got a mouthful of pizza right now. I'm just having my dinner, <laughs> so I do apologise. Um, but um, yeah, I have him in the quarterfinals. Um, impossible. It's nearly all, I've nearly polished it off, as I expect Felix to polish off City pass in the quarterfinals. Oh, talk about both picks. I mean, I don't know if it's really bold. Felix has enjoyed that matchup quite a bit. Uh, but hmm, interesting. So you have Felix in the semis. Um, if he plays Medvedev, I, I don't know if anybody wants to watch that really. Um, it's, you know, 6 and 0 for Medvedev. Yeah, Medvedev would like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, six and all going into that. Why not? Um, yeah, let's talk about the final. I think um, if if Alcaraz and Medvedev are to face on any other hard court, I don't think that result would repeat. Um, I just genuinely think that I think Medvedev is too good a hard court player, in all things considered, to lose in multiple matches by that margin to Carlos Alcaraz. I mean, Alcaraz definitely is superior player on slower hard courts. Um, you know, having won Indian Wells in Miami, Medvedev's success at the big events have all come on, you know, fast hard courts. Um, that being said, I mean, uh, I'm not sure what that loss means for Medvedev's confidence. I think he would take that as, okay, I lost to the world. 
uh, world number two is now the world number one best, you know, the best player on the planet at the moment, which Medvedev was for quite some time. I mean, we start to overlook that winning run of 19 matches, pretty big wins along the way as well. Um, players, I think players ranked higher than them each time. Uh, Felix twice, Djokovic, Rublev, you know, Djokovic and Rublev especially. Uh, players he lost to the last time he played in Turin, beating them in succession. I think that really meant a lot, even though it was an ATP 500, I think um, probably his biggest title as far as um, the kind of opponents he took out uh, a concern. Um, that being said, and yeah, of course, that's very match as well. I think it was really important for him to come through that. Um, yeah, but I, I'm not worried either because he, you know, his last winning streak also came to an end, you know, with a thumping defeat by, you know, to Djokovic at the Australian Open 2021. He was fine. Um, that was his career best season ended not world number two. Um, again, he, he didn't have really great results, um, after he won Marseille and all that qualifying in Miami and then it took a while until he um, you know became a contender at the big events and also made you know those finals and and Paris Bercy and Turin before winning um, Canada and the US Open Cincinnati of course we know what happened there but yeah I'm not worried I should say Uh, and yeah I uh, as far as my prediction is concerned we do have some time for that um, I have a really interesting prediction to make. So um, I'll save it for the end. All right. Well, for me, uh, before the Indian Wells final, I was I was dead set Medvedev was going to win the Miami, uh, in winning Miami. Uh, I am now less certain. I agree with you, Shrihari. I think these court conditions will favor Medvedev a little bit more and make it a closer match if he plays Alcaraz, who I think is like, most likely to get into the final um, against him. Um, I think if Alcaraz was to say fall to Holger Rune, um, I think Rune would be a better matchup for Medvedev in that final. Um, I don't I don't see anyone else really challenging uh, Daniil um, as much as Alcaraz would. May, not even like Yannick Sinner or anyone like that. So like, Maybe there's Hurkacz the in the quarters who has troubled him before true last year. I, again, I, haven't looked, I haven't looked at the draw so i don't if he's got her catch that's a little bit of a nightmare because yeah he does not like playing her catch that one does not close. yeah he did lose to him in the same round at the same tournament last year that i mean that yeah. was medvedev's not right now not the same player that he was at you know, at this time last year that has to be said neither is Hurkacz. i think he has not really had the ideal start to his season um, I think we can all agree on that. No, but Sir Kach does have like weird peaks. Like he's he's not necessarily consistently going. Yeah, deep. that's he just true. Gets, he gets big points every now and again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm I'm still gonna back. I'm gonna stick to my guns and say Daniel Medvedev is the favourite for Miami. Um, I think he could well upset Alcaraz um, in a rematch and make things very interesting. Spoiler alert! That was the prediction I had. So. I guess we don't have yeah. to wait until the end. Yeah, that's what I had as well. I think he will get revenge on Alcaraz if they do meet in the final. I have Medvedev winning Miami still. Uh, bold pick, yes, that loss can be bruising and sort of discouraging, but I don't see it that way, honestly. I still think uh, 
you know, let's roll it back to 2019 when he lost pretty thumpingly to Nadal, 6-3-6-love in Montreal. U.S. Open final, they meet again, and Nadal's two sets in a breakup, and then before he knows it, he's in the fight of his life, uh, fight for his life, and, you know, he ends up winning six, barely winning 6-4 in the fifth, and Medvedev really pushed him uh, to his absolute wit's end uh, in that you know, U.S. Open final. So, yeah, something similar to that. Medvedev, you know, you would say he bounced back really well, uh, you know, for that U.S. Open final. So, within similar uh, uh, space of time. So, yeah, I think if that match does repeat in Miami, uh, I I like Medvedev's chances a lot more, especially uh, than in New Worlds. What I've really loved about this podcast is that two matches have been mentioned uh, with great degree, if you like. And I attended both of those matches. But the weird thing is they're the opposite ends of the tennis spectrum, at least in terms of the top sort of 120. One of them is that final you just mentioned in New York, which, of course, was a classic. Uh, the other one was Gilles Simon against Taylor Fritz, which got a which got touched upon <laughs> earlier. I didn't I didn't expect to come on this pod and expect to talk about that match, but um, I, I wanted to say something at the time. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Anyway, Taylor listen. Fritz and, um, oh, yeah, I think. Well, Simon did beat yeah. Andy Murray as well, right? Just before that, he so did. He did. Let, I, I I mean, let's make sure this podcast doesn't get to Murray musings. Um, Yes, indeed. But um, I'm going to disagree with you. I have Alcaraz winning the tournament. Of course, there is the the issue with Holger Runa, a bit like Klaichikova in a way in, on the on the women's side, where she falling. Sometimes you have to check out, see where Holger Runa is. I do think that the conditions will favour him a bit more, uh, Holger, in, in Miami than they did in Indian Wells. And I do think that as a result, I think Carlos will have more pretenders to his crown in Miami. Um, and I don't think he'll have it anywhere near as easy. I certainly don't see him winning the title without dropping a set. And I do think he'll play Medvedev again in the final. And I do think it'll be much closer than it was in uh, in California. But I have Carlos Alcaraz doing the Sunshine Double. Wouldn't be unheard of. Um, I, exactly. I definitely... um, yeah, well, in the women's, you have the revenge taking place in the final. Um, I guess you're sticking with Alcaraz on the men's. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I have two revenge. Uh, uh, what do you call it? I, I have anyway. two revenge as well. I'm all about that revenge. Yeah. I mean, same here. Anyway, but yeah, I guess those are decent. And you, know, you can count on me to not change my predictions after this. But, <laughs> um, uh, anyway, yeah, I, I don't see myself uh, because I just... It was like a last-minute switch. Um, I was like, no, actually, you know, I think Daniel, you know, can pull off the madness and probably, you know, go on to win the Sunshine Double. That's what I thought. Uh, would have again, again, would have been a completely different scenario if we did get, say, Sinner in the final. Probably would have seen Medvedev lifting the trophy. Um, that's a matchup he really enjoys. Uh, so yeah, like uh, that being said, I guess we have two. Um, two of us picking Medvedev, one picking Alcaraz, and then the women's. I guess we have two picking Sabalenka. I think both of you are picking Sabalenka, and I'm picking Krejcikova. So, um, I guess it's yeah. two is to one 
rather than all three of us unanimously having the same winner like we did uh, on a previous episode, which is more interesting. We'll see how it all pans out. Um, but yeah, I guess we've pretty much covered everything we uh, had to cover. And once again, thank you, John, for joining us uh, for a you know, second consecutive week or second consecutive episode. It was a pleasure as always having you on here. Um, and, you know, thank you, Nick, as always for, you know, leading the way in all of the episodes. Um, obviously I will see you soon at some point again. Um, and yeah, we'll see you hopefully um, after Miami. Thanks, guys. I am about to start my night shift um, for my regular job, if you like. So I'll speak to you very soon. Yeah, thank you, John.